It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hockey fans, are you ready to brave the wild? With me, your host, Paladino Joey. Brave the Wild is available on thesportstuff.com and on iTunes. I thank each and every one of you always for downloading and listening to this show. It is great to be back on the air once again. Last week, I figured there was only one game played because they delayed the start of the series by so much that, you know, (laughs) what's the point, I guess, of doing a show with just one game, and well, the way things turned out, might as well just sum it all up in one show, because the Minnesota Wild, as you know, have been swept by the Chicago Blackhawks in round number two. Yeah, it's it was that quick. It's, it's over. Regardless of how you feel about it, regardless of how you think it should have been over or shouldn't have been over, it's over. It's just, it is what it is. I mean, all the promise coming into this series, all the promise coming into the postseason and over the past several months that we had, it almost looked like it could have been their year, the Wild, and all that. <laughs> to see it come crashing to a screeching halt the way it did is uh, its mind-blowing, it's depressing, and, well, quite frankly, it pisses me off. And at the same time, are we all really surprised? No, it's just Minnesota sports as a whole. With all that said, let's just get into this series right now and we'll just uh, remember just how close the Wild were in some of these games and how easily this series could have been quite different. The whole so close and yet so far. I mean, there's so many titles I could give this episode and that's one of them. So close yet so far. Also, have the Wild reached their ceiling? Have they reached their ceiling? Is this the best we can do? Have we reached a plateau? Uh, Right now, I would say... There is going to be some changes in order to get in order to get past this plateau because I think we have plateaued and I hate saying it but it is what it is. When you have a goalie playing as well as he was, you have a team as on fire as they were. It looked like this team had the potential to win the Stanley Cup this season and for things to come crashing down as I've said earlier already <laughs> to a screeching halt the way they have. It really makes you wonder. I mean, can the Wild ever win the Stanley Cup? Can they ever get past the Chicago Blackhawks? Those are all questions we're going to have to face for, well, at least this next summer into next season and possibly for seasons beyond. We just hope not. Might as well talk about the, the games right now. I'm going to basically 
I'm going to probably just leave this as one segment. I, I, I might as well. I was thinking of splitting it up into two, but I'll leave it as one. So, yeah, I'll just throw in the plug at the end about Amazon and all that. So, let's roll Friday, May the 1st. So, it's going to be a slightly unconventional Brave the Wild episode. Friday, May the 1st, the Minnesota Wild started their second round series against the Chicago Blackhawks. Game one. Things were uh, so promising going in, yet oh so familiar. And I remember how I warned all of you coming into this series. Boy, Corey Crawford sure looked good at the last second, conveniently at the last second, when the Chicago Blackhawks defeated the National Predators and Patrick Kane was starting to score goals. All the same familiar faces, the same familiar occurrences taking place that we dealt with in seasons past. It came back to haunt us again, didn't it? And I I just kind of had a sad feeling that it was going to end up that way. So let's roll. (laughs) Just a minute 15 into the first period. It was an early indication to where things were headed in this series. That it was going to be a disappointing series. When things felt so great. Here we go. The Wild are ready to rock and roll. Brandon Saad. one One of my least favorite players on the Chicago Blackhawks. Brandon Saad scoring his third goal of the postseason. Via Marion Hosa making it one nothing. The Wild try as they might to do this and that. Couldn't do this and that. <laughs> Turnovers, all that good stuff. The Wild just could not get the puck out of the zone at opportune times. Or when they had some type of offense generated, they turned the puck over. It'd be a Thomas Vanek or Scandella or whoever. Just an overall frustration of a night as the Chicago Blackers should score three goals in the first period. And then the Minnesota Wild have a second period <laughs> for the ages. At least we thought it would be. Everything felt like it was all said and done 15 minutes into the first period of the first game. It's like, oh my god, we're, we're really not up to this task, are we? We're really not. 3 nothing Chicago Blackhawks. Are you kidding me? Well, uh, I guess you're kidding for the time being, as again, the Wild, right out of the gate, Jason Zucker scoring his second goal of playoffs on an assist from Thomas Vanek. That's about all you'd ever see Thomas Vanek on the positive note through the rest of this series, for the most part on both of these goals, as the Wild again score three goals in a nine and a half minute <laughs> period in the second period. Nine and a half minute uh, uh, time time anyway. The Wild would score three goals. Zucker, Parisi, and Granlin. Very cool. Very exciting. Made us believe. Got us all pumped up. Excited. Here we go. We're on the comeback trail. And then the magic bullet. <laughs> a magic bullet from a guy by the name of Trevo Teravinin. Well, or however you want to say it. I forgot how to say it, <laughs> right? Yeah, there it is. A magic bullet of a shot from way from past the blue line, just flung the puck on net, and this was, again, a, a sign of things to come later in this series as well, as it went over Devin Dubnik's shoulder. He just wasn't expecting it to make the motions that it did, the magic bullet of a shot. And that would end up being the game winner, despite the fact we had a whole third period to play, because Corey Crawford stood on his stood on his head the rest of the night, and the Wild, for the most part, couldn't raise the puck. And it was driving us all crazy. Just couldn't get the job done. They weren't raising the puck on Mr. Corey Crawford. I almost thought I'd just sum all these games up in one review. <laughs> because it's, they're all similar in a sense. Though some of them were close, some of them were not. Game 2 was absolutely not. But we'll get back to that in a, in a second here. The magic bullet shot. Devin Dubnik was great after the three goals in the first period. But unfortunately the three goals were there. <laughs> That's pretty much the story of this game. It just was not the Wilds' night, and this was not the Wilds' series. As I continue to bounce and repeat myself, that's basically what I'm doing at this point. It's like, are you kidding me? Yeah, 
I'm kidding. <laughs> Corey Crawford, thorn in the side for the Minnesota Wild once again. 4-3, to three, lost to the Chicago Blackhawks. One game to zero. But everything will be just fine. We'll just come back and win game two. So I was wrong about game one. We'll just flip-flop and win game two. Sunday, May the 3rd. No, not so much. Not so much. Ugh, just a... Uh, the kind of game, again, that had no business being a 4-1 to game. And, of course, the fourth goal was an empty netter. So, again, <laughs> kind of is what it is, right? Kind of is what it is. Empty netter by Patrick Kane much later in the game. We're happy for him. But the fact that this game was 2 nothing, a huge frustration for us. All the players that were valuable during the season. And yes, Thomas Vanek is a guy that's been much maligned throughout the whole entire season. But he, he, he played fairly well at times and wound up being the third leading scorer on the team. 52 points and all that good stuff with all the assists and some timely goals. Invisible during the series except for the fact of costly turnovers. Absolutely costly turnovers along the way. Jonathan Tays, Patrick Kane scoring. Patrick Kane scoring uh, late in that second period because the first period was just boring, grinded out type of hockey for the most part. But then Taves scoring shorthanded because the Wild just giving up the odd man rush. Great job. Jonathan Taves finishing with his fourth fourth goal of the playoffs. Patrick Kane on a probably the worst turnover ever by Thomas Vanek. <laughs> yeah. And, and horrible defensive positioning by Ryan Suter. Just fantastic positioning by him, really. Just thank you so very much. Patrick Kane, all he has to do is have any type of a breakaway or any type of any type of freedom. And, and once he puts the shot off, it's going in, regardless if Devin Dubnik's in that or Darcy Kemper or Nicholas Backstrom. Fourth goal of the playoffs. Yay. Thank you very much. 2 nothing, Chicago into the second period. And you just kind of knew the Wild weren't going to win the game. Even though Matt Dumba on the power play getting his second goal, rocketing it on net and all that. That was fantastic. We were very much appreciated. Again, on the power play, it was a very quick play. Dubnik getting it, uh, just feeding it to Suter, who just gave it over to Dumba, who attacked the net and shot the puck. Got it like that. Gave us a little bit of hope, but then another turnover, another costly turnover. Patrick Sharp with his fourth goal, and then again Patrick Kane with the empty netter. This game, full of turnovers, full of frustration, and it left us all wondering... Are the Wild going to win this series? And most of us pretty much had a vibe like we're not. And ultimately, those of us that felt that way, we were absolutely correct. Because Devin Dubnik was, wasn't really up to the task as much as we thought, ultimately. At least in this particular game. But uh, obviously, far, far, from, far from the reason the Wild lost this series was Devin Dubnik. It was much more the turnovers and the fact that our big guns couldn't match up to their big guns. That was the whole series pretty much. Up and down. As we quickly just move on to Game Three, what more is there to say about Game Three? The Wild just <laughs> the Wild shot thirty, got thirty shots on net, didn't score a goal on Corey Crawford. That's about it. Other than early in the first period, or should I say midway through the first period, Patrick Kane on the power play as the Chicago Blackhawks were basically setting up a play all the way back from the Wild Zone. <laughs> uh, all the way back from the Wild Zone, Jonathan Taze feeds it up forward to Patrick Sharp. To Andrew Shaw, who then kind of bounced it over to Patrick Kane, who was crashing towards the net, five-holded, right through Devin Dubnik's legs. A not a good goal to give up. I mean, it seemed like all Patrick Kane had to do was put the puck on net, and he would score every single time. It seemed like it was the only shot Patrick Kane took on the entire night, folks. The only shot Patrick Kane took on the entire night, and it went in. And guess what? That was again the only goal 
that the Chicago Blackhawks would need to score in the game. The Minnesota Wild had what felt like a million chances, including a one-on-one breakaway from a Kyle Granlund or Gronlund or whatever. <laughs> no, <laughs> oh, I'll get back to that in a second. But uh, a breakaway goal, and he didn't really make that much of a move, did Mikhail Granlund. He pretty pretty much shot the puck right at Corey Crawford's glove, and that's kind of the story of the Wild throughout this series. The Wild didn't seem to raise the puck that much, and whenever they did, it was glove side right to Corey Crawford. I mean, you're not going to score a goal on Corey Crawford, regardless of how good or bad he is. And for some gall-dang reason, he's unbelievable against the Minnesota Wild. And it's driving me crazy, and it's, I'm sure, driving everybody on the the Wild nuts. When you think, see, because the whole complaint about Game 1 and 2, especially Game 2, was the horrible defense in general, especially the Ryan Suiters and, and, and pretty much everybody on the wild overall, except for maybe Spurgeon or, or such that played poorly in the game. Parisi did what he could pretty much the whole series. You know, the whole, he's worth every penny and he battles and this and that, but wasn't finishing enough. Wasn't finishing like he did against the St. Louis Blues. And in fact, nobody really else was. Pardon me for the noise there. That's bad. Um, but that's the whole key. The whole key last season when the Wild were able to beat the Blackhawks at two games in a row was they were raising the puck and scoring over Corey Crawford's shoulder. What were the Blackhawks doing most of the time? Not not on Patrick's Kane, not on Patrick Kane's goal here, but most of the time they were shooting it over uh, Devin Dubnik's shoulder. The Wild were not shooting it over Corey Crawford's shoulder. Crawford was often making kick saves and glove saves, and that's pretty much all he had to do the entire series. And again, the whole key to the first two games was the bad defense, too many breakaways, too many shots given up, this and that, not getting the puck out of the zone. Well, the Minnesota Wild, when the Wild hold the Chicago Blackhawks to 21 shots and one freaking goal, why the hell aren't you winning the game? Why? Why? Because you're not putting, because you're not getting true scoring chances on the Chicago Blackhawks. You're not putting up good shots. You're putting up shots or putting shots on net putting up, putting or whatever you want to call it, getting the puck on net, but they're not really good shots. They're not really good plays. You're not blowing by anybody, but the Blackhawks were blowing by the Wild when they needed to, and they only needed one goal, one freaking goal, and the Wild could not get the job done. And everybody everybody and their grandmother and their great-grandmother knew that this series was over because it was three games to zero. Game number four, is there really all much to say about it? I don't know. I don't really have a whole much left to say about it. It just sucked, right? That's what it did. That's all. It just sucked. Thursday, May the 7th. Yeah, you you, you just kind of knew. You just kind of knew, when you, especially when you saw the Blackhawks score early in the game. Pretty much just, again, put the puck on net. Oh, it was not a good goal given up by Darcy Kemper. Seabrook just put it on net, basically. But it was high, and it was over, over the shoulder. And that's pretty much what we've seen the entire series. That's pretty much what we've seen the entire series. Andrew Shaw adding his first goal of the playoffs, which is kind of strange. It feels like he has more, but it's mostly because he was uh, it's mostly because he was assisting on the goals, not scoring them. Eric Halla, who <laughs> making a two to one about midway slash early through the second period, his of course first goal of the playoffs. And when you also notice that the best players in the past, in the first uh, or in the last couple of games here were on the fourth line. That's, again, a problem. If your best players are your fourth liners, the guys playing the best, we'll, we'll say, are the fourth liners, you're in big trouble when you're playing a team like the Chicago Blackhawks. You might sort of be able to get away with that against St. Louis, but not for long. Against the Blackhawks, you're not going to get away with it at all. 
Blackhawks bringing out the brooms, folks. Bringing out the brooms. Especially when Patrick Kane, again, attacking the net and getting a nice shot off. Scoring his seventh goal of the playoffs. That's right, seventh goal of the playoffs. Fantastic. And then Marion Hosa scoring just a few minutes later. I mean, talk about the bottom going out right there. So depressing. Four to one game. And then the Wild have the empty net situation. Six on five, six on four because of the Blackhawks getting penalties and such. And then Pominville and Nino Niederreiter scoring goals to make it semi-interesting. In fact, really interesting. It is a four to three game. All right, let's keep them coming. Keep them coming for a minute and a half. And the Wild are even on the power play, but they couldn't get them past Crawford when they count. They got them past Crawford when it was when 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 they were down four to one and four to two, but they couldn't get it past him in the final minute and a half there when they were on the power play. Were the Wild, and ultimately that was it. Regardless of how many shots on goal the Wild had, the Blackhawks' shots were better, or they weren't stopped, or they weren't defended, or whatever it is. The Blackhawks just owned the Minnesota Wild. They flat out owned the Wild throughout this entire series, and what a frustration ultimately. Even though a bounce of the puck here, a bounce of the puck there, things would have been so different. But ultimately, it doesn't matter. Because here are the Wild today, and there are the Chicago Blackhawks in the Western Conference Finals awaiting probably the Anaheim Mighty Ducks. That's about all there is right there. I might as well I might as well split this up into two segments. Because I'd rather because I want to talk about the other uh, parts of the playoffs and then kind of wrap things up with where do we go from here with the Minnesota Wild. I might as well do that. But I should pass out a Mike Madonna Award and a James Shepard Memorial, like the best and worst players for this series. So, because that was the whole show, was this was this series. Ultimately, just, uh, yeah, it's, it's sad. You can hear it in my voice. I'm just tired talking about it, to be quite frankly. To be quite frank, pardon me. Um, Mike Madonna Award will go to... Zach Parisi, <laughs> I suppose. I mean, did anybody really play better in this series? I can't really give it to Devin Dubnik, even though he had a fantastic Game 3. He gave up a lot of goals. <laughs> a lot of soft goals, to be quite frank. But then again, the defense wasn't where it needed to be. Um, ultimately, i got to give it to Zach Parisi. The effort, all that. He played better than everybody else in the playoffs. Pretty much, other than Devin Dubnik, who I would probably give it to him for the St. Louis series. Can't give him to, can't give it to him for this series, but he's certainly not the James Shepard Memorial. I'm going to give the James Shepard Memorial to Ryan Suter, who was pretty disappointing, but I'm also going to co-give it to Thomas Fanick, who was terrible the entire series. Yeah, he got a couple of assists in that little comeback in the second period. He looked fairly good there, but ultimately Thomas Fanick is extremely disappointing, and he is he along with Ryan Suter. Huge disappointments in this series, and they're going to wind up with the James Shepard Memorials. So I will split this show up, just kind of changing on the fly here. Do bear with me. We'll be right back after this to talk about the playoffs, and then we'll wrap things up with where do we go from here with the Minnesota Wild. shop on Amazon? Did you know that you can support this podcast just by doing your normal shopping on Amazon? It's really easy to do. Just go to thesportstuff.com and click on one of the many Amazon pictures. Do your normal shopping and Amazon sees that we referred you and they give us a percentage. We'd like to thank you in advance for supporting thesportstuff.com 
and please use our Amazon link. Now enjoy the rest of the show. back here on Brave the Wild, ready to talk about the other the other playoff series. Not quite as depressing as the last one, to be quite honest. Or should I say, our playoff series. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, that might be why I might sound disoriented and kind of funky right now, because it's just like, whatever. You know, we got swept, whatever. I mean, what, what do you want to say about it? You know, we'll talk more about the state of the wild pretty soon here as we wrap up the show in a little bit. We'll wrap up the show with that, like I was saying. And, of course, we'll have State of the Wild a little later on, too. Possibly later this month, but more than likely early June. I'll probably have a show in between now and then as well, just to kind of keep you updated about the postseason, keep talking about things. Who knows, maybe some wild news takes place of some kind. Somebody gets bought out or or whatever it is. We'll just have to wait and see what happens there. So let's talk about the uh, the other Western Conference series. That one's disappointing as well. Anaheim Ducks leading the Calgary fam- Flames, pardon me, Three games to one. Looked kind of promising, but then ultimately the Flames just not getting the job done, as I'm sure most of you expected, to be quite honest. Unfortunately, uh, the the Ducks wound up taking, oh boy, a one nothing lead with a 6 six nothing win after the first game. The second game, 3 nothing game, 3 nothing win for the Anaheim Ducks, so very dominant early on. Calgary Flames were able to force overtime and win game number three. But since then, the Ducks, again, take command of the series, winning 4-2 to in Calgary, in the Sea of Red, the Saddle Dome. The Flames had all the opportunity in the world to tie up the series. They wind up not getting it done. Very disappointing. And that's just how it goes. Unfortunately. We'll see what happens there. Game number 5 will be tonight, Sunday, <laughs> May the 10th. But it hasn't happened yet. So I do apologize for that. Can't really wait all night to record the show, so... Just one of those things. That's just how it goes. And now in the Eastern Conference, I had uh, Montreal and New York advancing. Boy, I I couldn't have been wrong there, could I? Yeah, I was quite wrong. But then again, things kind of turning around a bit as Montreal and New York staying alive, staying alive, ha ha ha, staying alive, all that good stuff. Let's talk about Tampa Bay and Montreal before I talk about the other teams that are flashing in front of me right now in the second period. Yeah, those guys, New York and Washington, of course. Yeah, to think that the Tampa Bay Lightning would come out dominating the way they did, quite impressive when it took as when it took as much effort as it as it did for them to defeat the Detroit Red Wings, who I thought were going to win the series. But like I predicted, if Detroit can't win on home ice in Game Six, they will not win Game Seven, and they did not. Tampa Bay Lightning advance, and then they win three. That's right, three games in a row against the Montreal Canadiens, and a derailing loss in the first game as I went to double overtime. Tampa Bay winning in Montreal. That, again, had to be quite derailing for Carey Price and co. Carey Price getting dominated in Game 2, a 6-2 victory for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Game number 3, 3-0. Go the Tampa Bay Lightning in a very grinded out 2-1 type of battle. Definitely not the scoring, definitely not the butt-kicking that the Tampa Bay Lightning were able to pull off in the second game of the series, but they still won the game, and that's what counts as they come home and get the job done. 
You'd think the Flames, or Flame, the Capitals would finish, what am I talking about? The Lightning, Tampa Bay Lightning, would be able to finish things off at home with their great home record. But unfortunately, it just did not go that way. <laughs> it's P.K. Subban basically guaranteeing a victory and also saying that this series is definitely not over and it's going to be a totally different series now. Montreal dominating the Tampa Bay Lightning on their home ice. Just absolutely destroyed them, 6-2. to two. Kind of similar to game two in Tampa Bay's favor in their house. <laughs> in, this, in that situation, 6-2. to two. Montreal just rolling all over the Lightning. That couldn't have felt good. And then, like Supan did predict, and a lot of people did predict, the Tampa Bay Lightning did, or Montreal Canadiens did win Game 5 in a very nail-biting effort, scoring late in the third period to make it a 2-1 to game. They win it, and they'll be continuing their series Tuesday night. We'll see where things go there. I think the Lightning finish off the Montreal Canadiens in the sixth game, and if they don't, Montreal's going to win the series. How about that? <laughs> I think the Lightning are going to finish this off in sixth, though. I don't think we're going to see a comeback from 3-0. to zero. In, in the other cases so far in the playoffs, that's how it's gone, where that team winds up winning, finishing it off in Game 6, being at home or on the road. A lot of people wish the Wild could have done that, at least for us a sixth game or a fifth game, whatever it was, and they unfortunately could not get that done. Washington Capitals, I'm telling you, I could never, ever have predicted this series to go the way it has. But lucky for New York, it's starting to turn around again. Capitals winning 2-1 to one in the first game. They go up, but then the, the New York Rangers win a close one to tie it up. And the Washington winning the next two games at home. Good for them. one nothing. <laughs> Very close game in the third. And the fourth game, they win 2-1. to one. So nothing's really been a blowout in any way. Just Washington slightly more clutch. And again, that's another thing that I got to say is surprising. Because one of you really noticed the Washington Capitals as a clutch team. I certainly have never seen them that way. And right now, the Washington Capitals trail the Rangers 2-1, to one, midway through the second period. We'll see where that goes. Obviously, this is past tense for you, and you already know who won. So I do, again, apologize for that, but it is what it is. This is a podcast, not a live radio show. So, yeah, it just it, it just is what it is. And again, if the Rangers, yeah, if the Rangers win this game, they're going to win the series, as far as I'm concerned. I don't see a home team losing a seventh game at home, even though it has happened many times. These are the Rangers and the Montreal Canadiens. I don't think so. I just don't think so, which also means the Calgary Flames are probably done, and the Anaheim Ducks will play against the Chicago Blackhawks in the, in the Western Conference Finals. And right now, I'm going to have uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. I'm going to have them winning in six. And I think it's going to be Lightning and Rangers, to be quite honest, because I don't trust Washington. I don't trust them. I mean, they they could win the seventh game, but they got to win this one if they're going to. Ultimately, I think if they're going to win this series, they got to win tonight, and they're not doing it right now. And this Rangers team is very, 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 very tough. I would not be surprised to see a Chicago New York Stanley Cup Finals. And in fact, that's what I'm predicting. I think Chicago and New York will face off in the Stanley Cup Finals. So, yeah, you're already getting the idea here where I'm going. I think the Chicago Blackhawks will beat the probably probably will be playing the Anaheim Ducks and will beat them. In six games, I think that'll be a really, really good series. You'll have some close games and you'll have some higher scoring games, but they'll probably be more close. They'll probably be more uh, lower scoring. I think three to two, two to one type games in favor of the Chicago Blackhawks. I think they'll win that series in six. And right now, I'll have the Lightning and Rangers. That series is going to go to seven, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> so watch it be like five or something. But I'm going to have that series going seven because Tampa Bay is is. That, that's a really good team. I mean, they, they have everything you need to win a cup, but they're probably not going to win it this year. 
I'd, I'd love to see them win it, but I, it's probably not going to happen. I'm going to have the Rangers and the Blackhawks in the Stanley Cup Finals. And right now, just a kind of an updated prediction, as I'll just update predictions as things go. My original prediction was Minnesota, New York. Remember that? That's, well, the, the Rangers one might be right. The Wild one, it won't be. So the Blackhawks, again, will play against the Rangers. And that series will be a seven-game thriller with the New York Rangers winning the Stanley Cup, in my humble opinion. That's where I have things going right now. New York Rangers will win the Stanley Cup in seven games over the Chicago Blackhawks. It's going to be a thriller, but the Rangers will be the team of destiny this year. They're going to survive this Washington series from trailing 3-1 to one and win it all. And they did that back in uh, 1994 when they won their last Stanley Cup. They made a nice comeback like that. They're just the team of destiny this year as far as I'm concerned. And there was a time I was like saying, I'm not going to predict who's going to win that series in Minnesota, New York, because I kind of had a feeling the New York Rangers would beat us in that series. I kind of had a feeling it was going to wind up that way. I, I, I don't want to predict Wild losing a Stanley Cup Finals. You know, <laughs> it's no fun. But right now, I do think the Rangers are going to win the Stanley Cup. And there it is. Aren't you happy? Aren't you happy? Yeah. I'm, I'm not too happy, but you'll, you'll have an original six Stanley Cup Finals like we did a couple of years ago with Chicago and Boston, but the Blackhawks will finally lose in the Stanley Cup Finals. <laughs> They'll finally lose again. I mean, they, they last lost the Stanley Cup Finals in 1992 in a sweep against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Remember how good the Chicago Blackhawks used to be back in the, uh, in the early 90s and late 80s? They just couldn't get it done, could they? They just couldn't get it done. They were always close, but they could not get it done. They'd have these great teams, and then they'd lose in the playoffs. It seemed like they would kind of plateau. Or they just couldn't finish it off. Or they'd run into a team that was better. Whatever it was. Or a team that was lucky, like the North Stars. Or hot. Hot and lucky and all that good stuff. Stuff like that. They ultimately would not win it. Or they'd run into the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, you think. Or the Calgary Flames in the 89 season slash playoffs. All that. Or just some other team would knock them out. Whoever it was. Whatever it was. Whenever they play Chicago, they well, I mean, whenever they play St. Louis, they'd usually win that series, but not in the 90, uh, 93 season. The St. Louis Blues wound up winning that series in a sweep. How shocking was that? You can imagine how frustrated uh, Ed Belfar was. I still remember him smashing the net. The question now becomes, is that the Minnesota Wild? Are they a team that's going to be plateauing and not? they're going to have competitive teams but not end up winning the Cup? Those are big keys coming into the offseason season. Can who, who is going to step up out of the current group? Is it going to be Nito Niederreiter? Is Charlie Coyle going to develop into a better player? That's the question, and that's the problem. And that's what sucks about never bottoming out. Because the Chicago Blackhawks bottomed out for many, many years. They didn't do it on purpose. It just wound up that way. They sucked so bad, they wound up with all these players. Sharp, Kane, Ke- uh, Duncan Keith. Pardon me, Keith Duncan, right? No, Duncan Keith, all these guys. Even Corey Crawford was a good draft pick. I mean, you have to draft well, and you have to, well, <clears throat> you have to suck. <laughs> you have to have a high position in order to take a guy like Patrick Kane. Once in a while, a really good player is going to slip to you, like Vladimir Tarasenko for the St. Louis Blues. Not quite a Patrick Kane, but hey, you know, he, he's, a, he's turned out better than Mikhail Granlin so far. As good as Mikhail Granlin is, Gronlin, Granlin, I'm just teasing, it's Granlin. Um, well, actually, it's Gronlin, but he's cool with Granlin, so we wound up going that direction just to drive everybody absolutely nuts. Yeah, like Mike, Mike Emmerich and such, but um, ultimately, that's the thing, though. Are any of these guys ever going to step up and be the players we need them to be in order to compete for a Stanley Cup championship? 
And like the St. Louis Blues showed, you could have a wonderful season and not get anywhere. Things like that do happen. They happen quite frequently, quite frequently, to be honest. And it sucks. The Rangers almost could have gotten knocked out by the Washington Capitals here, but now they've come back and they're showing really how tough they are, ultimately. That's why I have them winning the Cup. The Wild need <laughs> the Wild need a lot of things to go right for them. Is Mikhail Granlin ever going to be a 70-point guy, or is he just too small to be that kind of guy? 70 points isn't even asking that much, is it? It's not. But when he's consistently like a 30, 40-point guy, that's not going to get it done. It's just not. And, of course, the injuries tend to plague him at times as well. Charlie Coyle seems to always have something happen. Is it his shoulder? Is it his knee? Is it this? Is it that? Unfortunately, it's just one thing after another. He stayed healthy for most of the season, and he even had an unbelievable highlight goal against the Edmonton Oilers. But the Edmonton Oilers at the time were a terrible team. So, great. I'm glad you were able to score, and it was helpful, and it's great, but we'd like to see him do it more consistently. And then the other question becomes, is Charlie Coyle better at center or at wing? I really like Charlie Coyle as a center because he's so strong on the puck. That's fantastic, and I love and I appreciate what he does there. Yet at the same time, will his goal-scoring chances increase when he's at right wing? That, that's his other possible position. That's on Mike Yo and Chuck Fletcher. Mike Yo is the coach, Chuck Fletcher is the GM, all that good stuff. I mean, you, you know those roles, but I mean, it's on them to decide where he needs to be. Maybe he kind of flip-flops all over the place. It's not like Brent Burns going from defenseman to forward, from forward back to defenseman, and, and all that crazy stuff, which drive, drove me nuts, and I don't think it really helped his career at all. Heck, they've even, even been doing that in San Jose. And the Sharks are as big a mess as, as we were back in the day, so whatever. It's not really improved at all, to be quite honest. But when you have veterans disappointing and young guys, are they plateauing too? Are they plateauing like the way the team is? Those are questions that need to be answered. And will any of these prospects out in the, out there, like Tuck out there, I mean, who, who which one of these guys is going to go on to be a valuable piece? <laughs> does, does, does Granovic have a chance to be good? Groyovac, Tyler Groyovac, in, in, uh, who's been in uh, Iowa for a while. He was a seventh-round pick. He looks good, ultimately, when it comes to his, his AHL statistics, but can that translate into the NHL? Hard to say. He's a new, you know, he's he's still he's still new to the uh, professional. He hasn't been in the, he, he only got like a three-game sample in the NHL. And will it translate to the AHL? It's hard to say. His, his size does help, and that's great. Ultimately, the Wild need, they need more depth at center. Because Miko Koivu, again, did you ever hear his name mentioned on this show this week? No. Because he was invisible. Miko Koivu was absolutely invisible. And he lost key face-offs that mattered so great in those close games. Absolutely needed to win certain face-offs in the first game and the third game. And he didn't win those face-offs. And it was really disappointing. And the other stat of the whole series that Mike Yo was, <laughs> well, it was painful enough for him to mention, I'm sure. They never led in this series. Never. They never led in the series. That's unbelievable. And the only time in the series the, the games were tied, they were it was 0-0. In fact, yeah, anytime Chicago, because they always scored first in every single game, anytime Chicago scored, they maintained the lead. They never even relinquished the lead to a point of a tie. That's that's terrible. That's terrible for a team that went to six games last season and looked so much better this year to wind up 
like this. It's terrible, and it shows that you ultimately need certain guys to step up. The good news is Brodeen was way better this year than last year, and he's probably going to continue to grow and improve. But what about Ryan Studer? What do you do with his minutes? What do you do with him? I mean, ultimately, he plays too much, and everybody knows it. And it's often been a complaint throughout the league, players that have that have been on the wild in the past. And you're the head coach always saying, oh, Suter was gassed. Well, he shouldn't be gassed. It's because he's playing too freaking much. And you have other guys on the team that ultimately deserve playing time. So why are you letting him get gassed out there? Why not? Why not limit his minutes a little bit? Why are we allowing the veterans to dictate everything here? To dictate who's on the power play? So why is Miko Koy with the main center on the power play to date? That doesn't make any sense. Why is Ryan Suter always on the point when <laughs> and Jason Pominville on the point in the power play? Why not have a Matt Dumba with that rocket shot? Why not have Pominville down low where he could score, actually, rather than just put the puck on net all the time? That would be nice, wouldn't it? Maybe Pominville might get a couple more goals rather than 20 goals all of a sudden. That's not what we brought Jason Pominville here to be. It's to be a 20-game goals to a 20-goal scorer and a distributor. That's not what we brought Thomas Vanek here to do. It's to be a 20-goal scorer and a distributor. These guys are playing out of their roles, and it's not good. It's not good. You're never going to win a Stanley Cup that way. We appreciate the assists from Pominville and Vanek, but the goals should be there as well gigantic frustration for us all. Again, when I was talking about the defense, and you have the Matt Dumbas of the world, that, that can improve and continue to grow as a player, and that's very imp- encouraging. But where do we go from here? Will he be enough? Will he be enough? Ultimately, do you wind up re-signing Jordan Leopold, or do you go in another direction to try to bring in a, a bigger name via trade or free agency, or both? Or for God's sakes, can somebody in the system emerge? Is there somebody in the system that can emerge? Right now, I don't see it, unfortunately. Particularly at the defenseman position. Our defensemen are alright, but they're nothing special at this point. Oh, okay, yeah. Certain guys are special. Brodeen is special. Suter is special when his minutes are limited. Koivu is better when his limits are when his minutes are limited as well. Koivu should be a third-line center in this league. But that's the problem we don't have a first-line center. Mikhail Granlin is a second-line center. He, he could be a first-line center, but he hasn't shown that to this point. He shows it on occasion. He's better than Koivu, so he should be the top-line center. Koivu should be the second, but ultimately I think he's a third-line center in the NHL at this date. But then Charlie Coyle, I guess he's the third-line center for now, but do you ultimately put him at wing at some point, or is he the top-line center or the second-line center at some point? Do you, do, do you go that direction? And then at fourth line, do you wind up going with Grayovac? Because Brozdiak is most likely gone. Do you end up going with Grayovac or Hala, who's been a huge disappointment during the season? Where do you go from here? Ultimately, where do you go? It's truly hard to say. Jordan Schrader is a guy who's, well, he's listed as a center, but he's often playing wing. Because <laughs> I don't think his defense really adds up to center in the NHL, along with his size, which has been a huge well, frustration with a lot of, with multiple players on this team. Multiple players. Chris Stewart most likely won't be brought back because he was invisible during the Chicago series and barely visible in the St. Louis series. And that's quite a shame because, sure, he was valuable during the regular season when you got him, but you'd think he would carry that into the postseason. But he didn't. And that's very frustrating. And the other point here, 
you gave up a second round pick to get Chris Stewart. That's a player that could be, you know, he could be a piece in the system that could ultimately help this team in the future. So that's disappointing. And that's one thing the Wild really needs to check in on when they make these trades. Jason Pominville is a valuable player, but was it a good idea to give up a first-round pick and then sign him to a huge contract? Hmm. You know? Hmm. It makes you wonder, doesn't it? I like Chuck Fletcher for the most part, but he sure ain't the perfect general manager, is he? And nobody is, obviously, but there's a lot of marks on his record at this point. There's a lot of good and a lot of not so good. Now, if I had a choice between Doug Risebrow or Chuck Fletcher, I'd take Chuck Fletcher 10 out of 10 times because Risebrow never did anything for this team other than draft Marine Gabbert because he slipped to him because the New York Islanders were too stupid to take Danny Heatley or Marion Gabbert with the first pick. They took Rick DiPietro, who did nothing because they were just stupid. And that's why the Islanders were bad for so long because of their horrible management. But I digress, right? <laughs> you have a lot of players on this lineup, though, that could be valuable. But will any of them ever step up to be a stud? Will any of them ever be anything near a Patrick Kane type? Well, probably not Patrick Kane level, but can they get to a, to a notch just below it? Maybe that guy's Jason Zucker, because he's a true goal scorer, without a doubt. Will Nino Niederreiter ever truly step it up? Because 37 points in 80 games ain't making you forget about anybody. It ain't making you forget about Brian Bellows, or, or Neil Broughton, Dino Cicerelli, any of those guys. It's just a, it's just 37 points. Like back in the day when those guys were playing, a 37-point player would be on the fourth line, man, back in those days. Charlie Coyle, 35 points? Great, that's a third-line guy, third, fourth-line guy right there. Coyle does a little more on the defense, on the overall game than Nito Niederreiter, but at the same time, Niederreiter's more of a natural goal scorer. They're kind of flip-flopping with the playmaking and the goal scoring. Would really like to see more more of an aggressive approach from Nino, uh, from Charlie Coyle than, than we have been seeing over the course of time. It's amazing how many shots Miko Coyle puts on net for what for what he gets out of it. it. It's actually quite pathetic, to be to be honest. Pominville's the worst of the bunch, though. 252 shots on net and only 18 goals. That That's pathetic. I'm sorry. Absolutely pathetic. The, the best on the team is Parisi. He has the most shots and the most goals. So, there you go. I mean, what, what more is there to say with that one? Um, actually, the best overall is Zucker. When you combine the shots with the goals, it's Jason Zucker. And that's why, ultimately, if he could freaking stay healthy for the first time in his career and just stay healthy and consistently be healthy, maybe he's the guy who could get 35 to 40 goals. But that is yet to be, <laughs> that is yet to happen. We're still waiting on that one, to be quite honest. So, ultimately, we'll probably be seeing the last of Kyle Brasiak, Chris Stewart, Ryan Carter, I think, is not coming back. I believe Matt, yeah, Matt Cook is still under contract. Uh, Leopold, maybe. Nicholas Backstrom is an absolute buyout. We know that. So, you're probably looking at Devin Dubnik and Darcy Kemper going into next season, which I'm fine. As long as Devin Dubnik is signed, and that's the one thing, his contract is probably not going to be quite as high as we thought. And ultimately, yeah, if the Wild go on and win the Cup or get to the finals or something, Devin Dubnik's going to want seven bajillion dollars a year, and he's not going to get that. So he'll 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 get a decent contract, an above average contract. But that's the one semi good thing about things going as crappy as they did is, yeah, the contract leverage will be quite uh, more on the side of the Wild than it would have been otherwise. <laughs> to be quite honest with you, uh, Justin Fontaine is not the kind of guy you're going to see step up and get like a trillion goals. Get like a thirty, get like thirty goals, a trillion goals. Pardon me, um, but he is a guy I really, really want to keep because he is clutch. He's viable. 
He's gritty. He's, he does everything he can. He's the perfect fourth-line forward. See, 31 points right there from a fourth-line forward makes me smile. And yes, he got he got he moved up a couple times because of injuries. But so what? He he did a good job when he got moved up. So Justin Fontaine is the kind of guy I would love to keep on this team as long as possible, as long as he's able to stay healthy. And of course, well, this and that. <laughs> as long as he's able to stay healthy and we're able to keep him, and and um, well, there isn't some superstar ready to knock knock him out of a job. <laughs> All that. I'm really happy with Justin Fontaine, regardless of his third or fourth line. He he does a fantastic job, and I think he's worth. Uh, I think he's living up to what he is for the most part. Not everybody likes him, but he's one of the guys. I think he, he's a glue guy, and he's he's very clutch. I I really appreciate what Justin Fontaine does bring to the uh, does bring to the mix. To be quite honest, Marco Scandella, one of the better defensive defensemen, but had a fr- very frustrating series against the Chicago Blackhawks. Him and Ryan Suter got their butts kicked on on a, on a couple occasions. Suter more than uh, Scandella, but just saying. A lot of these guys, they definitely need to step up. Nate Prosser is going to be gone. Uh, we'll see what happens with Jordan Schrader. I wouldn't mind bringing him back, but again, a very small sample size. But a plus nine during the season is nothing to sneeze at, to be quite honest. In a pretty small sample size, to be a plus nine, that, that, that ain't bad. Not bad at all. <laughs> so... Ultimately, there it is. Sean Bergenheim, that's another name. He will not be back. <laughs> no doubt about that. Sean Bergenheim will not be back. So where do we go into the offseason? We're just going to have to wait and see. We'll talk more about free agents and such in future shows. Maybe even the next episode. But right now, ultimately, we've got to figure out a way to get this team uh, to get this team past this plateau because I don't think we signed Zach Parisi and Ryan Stewart to these gigantic contracts for us to plateau in the second round or first round for the rest of eternity. That would be quite frustrating. I was uh, you got to think that we're going to make a run to a Stanley Cup Finals one of these years, but we're going to have a hell of a time doing it because <laughs> even though the Chicago Blackhawks may run into some salary cap problems, well, Kaner or Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves have been inked to long-term contracts a, a, a couple years ago already, so they're, they're there regardless, just like Parisian Stewart are here regardless. So that's definitely <laughs> definitely something that the Wild need to overcome. And right now, <laughs> and to date, they haven't done that. Three years in a row. Will the Wild ever get past the Chicago Blackhawks? That's going to be on Chuck Fletcher and Mike Yo. Fletcher even more so at this time. Yo's job is done for this year. Regardless if it was a good job or not, it's over. Now it's on Fletcher. So there it is. Draft picks, development, and of course the minor league coaches as well, developing some of those guys down there to the best of their ability as well. Because somebody out there has got to stop a step up. It would be greatly appreciated. Raphael Busteris getting sent down to the <laughs> to the uh, to the uh, Alaska whatever they call themselves, the uh, the Alaska team ultimately. That's uh he did he did well there, but again, it's, it was a level below the AHL. That's not a good sign for a guy that was taken in the second round. So again, another uh, another potential blemish on Chuck Fletcher's record. So with that, we are going to wrap up the show for this week and we're going to come back to talk about more free agency and of course the postseason, the current postseason and all that next week or two weeks from now. It's probably going to be two weeks from now but we'll see. We'll see on availability. So again, thank you so much for listening and if you do like the show, please do tell a friend. It would be greatly appreciated and do give us a rating on iTunes anywhere from three to five stars. Give us a... uh, Tell, tell us what you like about the show. Tell us what you'd like to see improved, whatever it is. 
anything below anything below three stars, don't even bother. You're just wasting your time. You're, you're trolling, and there's no real point for that. I know the show isn't perfect. I'm not perfect at anything, and neither are you. So with that, thank you so very much for listening, and thank you again for bearing with me. <laughs> I'm a little bit disoriented, a little bit sad, and, well... <laughs> It, it's kind of it's it's frustrating to see that this team is is beginning to show signs of plateauing here. Like I've been saying, you know, expensive contracts to veterans that underachieved and young guys that are good, but certainly not showing any signs that they're ready for like a perennial for for any type of an all star game or anything like that. So again, we'll just see what happens, and we'll be talking about it more in the coming weeks, months, and years as well. <laughs> Take care, everybody. We'll talk to you soon.